Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. What's up Tuesday afternoon with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Coming to you as always from the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort, the home of non-stop fun and entertainment. Whether it's golf or food or gambling or poker tournaments, which falls into the gambling category, or live entertainment or food. I know I've already said it. The food's that good. We'll say it twice. Uh, it's worth a visit. Check them out online at pearlriverresort.com. You want to be part of the conversation? Of course you do. We'd love to hear from you. Ceasefire text line is open. 601 601- 879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business. Learn more about them online at cspire.com slash business. Thanks for being with us. Brian Haydad got called into dad duty, he described it. Apparently there was something going on and needed an extra hand. And so he's on his way. He's going to join us in progress. Uh, and he said... The last message we got from Hey Dad was, I definitely will be late, but I promise it will be worth the story when I arrive. All right. You got a story? You make me laugh. You entertain me. me. Yeah, it's good enough. We can get through, uh, the first little bit. Um, good to, uh, good to be with you this afternoon. Why does it feel like it's taking like an extra day or two to kind of ramp back up for this weekend? Oh, cause last weekend stunk, man. Uh, I mean, it just, there was nothing fun about what happened around here last weekend. That's why. College yeah, football was great last good. weekend. It was. Not so much here, though. Well, we had a lot of build-up to those games last weekend about yeah. how important the game was for Mississippi State, about the opportunity that existed for Ole Miss. You know, would this be the year that Ole Miss prepared a little bit differently? And, you know, it's so rare to win in Tuscaloosa. And they yeah. didn't think that Ole Miss – did some things well enough to win. That was a winnable game for Ole Miss, and they absolutely let an opportunity to slip away. It was a winnable game for Mississippi State. They could have just gotten like one more stop. I mean, a one more stop, one more score, and the outcome's different. Yeah, yeah, and, and both of them, but uh, just not good enough right now. But uh, man, so I, the, the more I think about this coming weekend, now, now State's got a tall task in front of them. Uh, Alabama is. Especially on defense, 
That's what kind of got lost uh, in Alabama's issues is in the front six, even the, the defensive backs, man, are physical. Uh, Ole Miss tries to, and people have been criticizing the uh, the jet sweeps and, and all that. Mm-hmm. That is a, a play that generally works for them. And, and Alabama's defensive backs were just so much more physical uh, than Ole Miss's wide receivers on those plays, and, and they were able to uh, just create havoc there. But uh, Alabama presents issues uh, on the front six uh, of their defense, really their entire defense, but especially in the front six. Um, it's among the better groups in the league, so you still got to navigate that. But, man, there has been, and you know, far be it for me to be the, hey, everybody, here's the positive spin. But the, the the sky is falling talk around here is really premature. I, I've watched everybody in the SEC play. I've watched more Vanderbilt than I should have, but I've seen everybody play. And, and we said it yesterday, but it bears repeating. This is not one of those years where you have dominance at the top. Even Georgia, I keep going back to this, even Georgia looks human. And I know they did last year and they won every game and won the national championship, but they don't look perfect. They're the best, but they struggle to score. They couldn't score on that South Carolina team. Georgia at home could not score on the same South Carolina team that Will Rogers broke a record against. Tulu broke a record against that defense that Georgia couldn't score on. So... This idea, well, season's over. Ah, lost to Alabama, done. Uh, no shot at beating LSU whatsoever. None. Uh, that's over. Probably going to lose to Arkansas. Won't beat a And M. It's like, guys, you are not watching everybody else. You see the warts and the flaws with your team, and they exist. Both Ole Miss and Mississippi State are flawed football teams. So is LSU. So is Texas A&M. Right. So is Auburn. Right. So let's do this. Everybody. Let's do this. Let's take the seven games this weekend. All uh, all fourteen teams in the league playing each other. This is a full all SEC schedule weekend. Amen. You give me this mildly surprised, not surprised at all, or shocked. Any result in Texas A and M Arkansas? There, there's no there's no surprise none with the outcome in that game, right? That's a four outcome game. Yeah, Florida Kentucky. I think that's a four-outcome game. I agree. I, I, I agree. If you don't Florida, know what we're Florida talking win, about. Flo, Florida wins close. Florida wins big. Kentucky wins close. Kentucky wins big. Yeah. Those, those are your four possible outcomes. Georgia at Auburn. Okay, I mean, jo- Georgia wins big, very much on the table. Georgia wins close, I guess. guess that's possible. I mean, it kind of depends on your definition of close. Any scenario where Auburn wins that game is a surprise, except yeah. except for the fact that, that that's one of those games that's got like tons of history, and Jordan-Hare is a stadium that has an effect. Jordan-Hare gives Auburn the ability to be in games that from time to time they have absolutely no business being in because that home crowd is so good. Crowd's good, and and I Georgia and, and probably, Auburn's defense is pretty good too. Yeah, Georgia's possibly going to struggle to score early. And man, if if you get a couple of early stops on defense, and there's eighty eight thousand people behind you, uh, th- that can really, yeah. as you're talking about, establish mm-hmm. uh, a game. But yeah, I, I, Auburn. But, but yes, that I'm game surprised, would be a surprise. yeah. Any scenario that Auburn wins that game. All right, Missouri at Vanderbilt. 
See, I would argue this is a th- you get three outcomes here. Missouri mm-hmm. big, sure. Missouri close, okay. Vandy close. I mean, would it shock you? No. If Missouri comes out and lays an egg in Nashville at three o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday, and Vandy somehow wins that game, M- Missouri. Uh, I mean. Some people would probably argue Memphis is better than Vanderbilt. I won't, but Missouri had to fight and scrap and claw to beat Memphis by a touchdown last weekend. They did. They did. And yet, Missouri is undefeated, and they're in the top 25. LSU at Ole Miss. LSU wins big. Is it shocking? No. No. I don't don't think it's a blowout. It's hard for me to see that because of the way the Ole Miss defense is playing, but if LSU gets Jaden Daniels going and they're having trouble covering neighbors and Brian Johnson, not Brian Johnson, Brian Thomas, you'd see a scenario where that turns into a a three-touchdown game. LSU wins close? No, you're not surprised. No. Ole Miss wins close? No, you're not surprised. The odds makers wouldn't be. Ole Miss wins big. That would surprise me a little. Because it, it would, of the weapons. It would be a surprising result based on where we are today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. South Carolina at Tennessee. Four outcomes, I think. Any, anything on the table. Anything's on the table. Rattler's been really good. Milton's beat up a little bit. Tennessee has struggled at times to get things in a rhythm offensively. Yeah. And then Alabama at Mississippi State. That's a I three mean, to me. I agree. I mean, Alabama wins big, no no shock. Alabama wins a close one. Okay. All right. So State showed us something. State wins a close one. State really showed us something. If Mississippi State wins a close game against Alabama, the recipe was what? Turnovers. They, yeah, they, they forced Jalen Milrow into, mm-hmm. into bad decisions. Yeah, because, you know... And they're a big underdog. We'll talk about this later. It's, you know, and hey, Dad. And, and I agree with him. I don't think losing to Alabama for Mississippi State would be something that you can criticize, depending on how it looks. I mean, you got to crawl before you can walk, right? And, and they have not at all been remotely competitive with Alabama lately. Not at all. Not, not anywhere close. I mean, it, as hey, Dad points out all the time, the only team in the SEC, not named Vanderbilt, that hasn't either beaten them or at least played them down to the wire in recent years. And so, I mean, if, if it's a close game and Alabama just kind of wears you down in the fourth quarter, I think we should come back here Monday. Maybe they did find something. You know, that, that's that's entirely possible. But I saw a lot of, after the Ole Miss game on Saturday, Alabama's back. Alabama's back. No. I didn't see that. I didn't see that they are. They've figured everything out, and they're about to just run the table and win the West and go to the playoff. I didn't see that on Saturday, despite the win. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that completely. Um, offensively, now defensively, I think they're really good. I think that that Alabama defense is really, really good, deep and physical, and they got healthy on the interior now, of the defensive line. And yeah. if if Jalen Milrow kind of builds on his performance last week and starts to play with a little more confidence, that doesn't surprise me if we look up at the end of the year and he's grown into a pretty good quarterback because there are a lot of physical tools that are there, but it's going to take growth along the way if that's going to happen. 
Let's uh, let's hear some stuff when we get back. Kind of a college football audio dump. We'll do that coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi just getting started in the Pearl River Resort Studio. is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Kind of a mixed bag if you check out the headlines on the college football page at ESPN. You get Kirby Smart talking about Georgia not being complacent as it chases a third straight title. He got Mel Tucker and his formal response to Michigan State firing him or trying to fire him. It, it really is an odd deal. They gave him a notice of intended termination to which he had seven days to respond as to why they should not terminate him. And so he has responded, and that's been made public, and now they get to respond to his response. And their response is going to be that he's going to be terminated, and then he's going to sue them, and then we like really start airing the dirty laundry. And this thing gets ugly, and it gets drawn out. Not, not a great scene in East Lansing right now. Colorado is hopeful to have Shiloh Sanders against Southern Cal this week, though... Are they? Yeah, kind of a about, bad look, man. What was that scene? So, for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, Colorado released, or excuse me, Oregon released a five-minute long, like, behind-the-scenes video, like Ole Miss does with the season. Everybody has their own little yeah. thing that they release. And in that video, they had very clear, I mean, clear-as-day video and audio of Shiloh Sanders, so not Shadour the quarterback, Shiloh the defensive back, for Colorado, saying phrases that I can't repeat on the air, which it's football, they cuss, and stuff like that. But among those phrases that he said to Colorado, uh, excuse me, to Oregon players and coaches directly Mm -hmm. to them in pregame, he said, why are y'all so little? We're fitting to run through y'all A-word. But This is the money quote. I'll beat the expletive out of every one of y'all and your coach. And Colorado and and Oregon put that out there. They edited it in case there was innocent ears listening to it. But man, that's it's a bad look. Look, I don't think we can have selective outrage about the spectacle that is Colorado. But you don't have to like everything they do either. Like no. you, you can't be like, "Oh, give me more, give me more." This is a great story, and they'd be like, "Ooh, we got to get on to him for saying that." No, this is this is like you're like the whole package. And maybe more importantly than us, I mean, I guess we can react however we want to to the spectacle that is Colorado football this year. Colorado's the one that can't get mad. I think, I think Dion had a great tone post game. And, and even following up. He says to everybody, we are who we are. We're not changing for anybody. We don't care what you think. Okay. 
If, if, if that is the standard, then that is the standard. There's no getting angry at Dan Lanning. There's no getting angry. I mean, Lincoln Riley's not going to say anything. I mean, he's the most boring human being on the planet. I mean, he's really good coaching quarterbacks that win Heisman trophies. Um, but, I mean, if if Caleb Williams pops off, if uh, old Big Bear, what's his name, that transferred from Georgia decides to say something, zip it. If you're dishing it out, you got to take it. Mm-hmm. And, and Colorado said we're cool with that. As long as those are the game, the, the ground rules, and it doesn't change, okay. Yeah. It, it, it's a media issue more than anything else because the, the people – that that cover other sports that are now doing college football had things to say about Dan Lanning and Oregon and the the classlessness and they, they bring race into it so they, they just they do and then this video comes out and you know what maybe it's time to be smarter than those people maybe yeah. maybe, maybe all of us as consumers it's time to be smarter than them maybe when when somebody who isn't really a college football person that you trust helicopters in to try and cover a story because it's a cool thing to cover maybe you're like um, I don't care what you think. Go away. Go back to the NFL. Just wait till the draft and pretend like you know what you're talking about with college football, and then go back to like like you swoop in a couple of times a year. Oh, big story. Let me write about this. Oh, the draft. We got to cover this college football. We don't. Now you don't. You don't know the game. Hey, he didn't say it yesterday. He's like, I don't pretend to know the NFL as well as people who cover the NFL, but I know college football by golly. Mm-hmm. We do it every day. We do it 365 days a year. We do college football. In, in the same way that don't talk to me, Eduardo Perez, about college baseball. You don't know it as well as I do. It's a great example. Sa- same deal. Same deal. It's fine. I mean, like, I'm not saying you can't enjoy it. You can't cover it. You can't soak it up. But I don't care what you say because I don't trust you. Because you're not invested in the game that I care about. That's all it is. Uh, speaking of Dan Lanning, we got the uh, we got the Dan Lanning audio. Yeah, this is a uh, Dan Lanning yesterday. He, he was asked about Skip Bayless, who is is very, very trying very hard to get in on this. Speaking uh, just, of people, you shouldn't care about right. what they think, but and he gave you a really thoughtful answer about his team and motivating his team and what he thinks about Deion Sanders. And uh, uh, keep this guy away from the SEC. Please, because uh, I think he's a winner. Here he is. Right. There's been a lot of talk of nationally about your pregame speech and your aggressive play calling. I think uh, Skip Bayless called it venomous vengeance. Um, just curious what your thoughts are on that and kind of how your words have been skewed a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't know Skip at all. Um, I've never had a conversation with him. Um, it, I, I've watched him enough to know how often he gets it wrong. So, I mean, that sounds about right. But, I mean, ultimately, here's what I say. We're playing to win the game, right? And you saw a 15-second clip uh, from a window view outside the house of what happens in the locker room, right? I, I know our locker room. I'm in the house 100% of the time. I know how our players felt. Um, going into that game. And I know what it takes to motivate our players. That's my job, to motivate our players, right? He has a job. I have a job, too, um, to get out there and to perform on the field. But inside that house, they felt a certain way. They felt a certain way about a group stomping on the O. They felt a certain way uh, about guys talking to him in the pregame. And I'm proud of those guys because what they decided to do is talk with their pads, right? They didn't want to do anything extra afterwards. They want to talk with their pads, and they did that on Saturday. I'm also... Um, 
grateful and and can clearly acknowledge that the attention that we got this Saturday in large part was due to, uh, due to Dion and what he's doing to college football. And if anybody can't see what he's done for college football and how he's bringing excitement to college football, you're crazy, right? And I said that last week as well. Um, he's done a lot for the game. He's, he's building something over there. I think that's really, really clear. Uh, there's no secret there. But it, it wouldn't matter if I was playing my 10-year-old uh, son on the other sideline. I'm going to do everything I can to win. If I'm playing Bill Belichick, I'm going to do everything I can to win. Did I go for it on fourth down? Yeah, I have every game this year. Right? I've gone for it nine times. Did I go for a two-point conversion? Yeah, I've done it three out of the four games this year. And if, if we play again tomorrow, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to do everything I can to win a game and everything I can to motivate my team. So, um, you know, that's... That to me is classless. What what you know what he's saying there, but I'm I'm not really worried about it. I mean, it's just really really good. Chase from Columbus on the ceasefire text line. I think Lanning is the first phone call when Saban retires after the SEC title game. Please no. I mean, it's it's Please a no. Saban slash Kirby two dot three dot He's making seven million dollars this year. Will increase to eight million through twenty twenty eight. The buyout to leave Oregon at any time, according to the Athletic, is twenty million dollars. The reason I looked that number up was to see if I thought if I thought that there was a a, a prohibitive buyout. That's a that is a buyout. It is a real buyout. That, that, that's not insignificant at mm-hmm. all. If Alabama wants Dan Lanning to be its next head football coach, I assure you that a $20 million buyout of his contract from the University of Oregon is not going to prohibit them from hiring him. He may not want to go. He may not say, he may like, like, look, I can win a national championship where I am. I love the support we have. I love the weather. My family's happy. This is where we want to be. And no, I don't want to follow Nick Saban at Alabama. Maybe that's Dan Lanning's response, but I could not agree anymore with Chase. It's looking more and more like that is the first call. Yeah. The, I mean, if you are hiring today and Nick Saban's not available, is he candidate one for you? If, if you could hire any coach in college football and, and Nick Saban is, he's done. Is it landing? I mean, are you telling me I can't get Kirby? You can't get Kirby either. I should have put that. You can't get Kirby, you can't get Saban. Saban's done. Kirby's not leaving his alma mater unless he retires. I think. I probably need to think on that a little bit, but yes, most likely. That's the answer. DeBoer at Washington is another guy that, unless he wants to stay up in the Northwest, when these big SEC, when A&M comes open, because it will, that's who I'm going all in on. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We've got a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to visit with uh, Luke Johnson. We'll talk some Southern Miss football with him. We've got some more audio to play for you. We'll sprinkle that in throughout the course of the show this afternoon. Back with you after this on Sports Talk Mississippi. What we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven. 
on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi, with you streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Luke Johnson joins us for his weekly visit on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Luke, um, that was not how we drew up Saturday night. You, you know, not at I, all. I, I don't guess I can get in trouble for being like the look ahead guy or the you know, counting a win or not being focused enough. But I had this one chalked up for a win in June and July and August and last Tuesday when we visited. And I was wrong. I mean, everybody did. Yeah, but Butch Jones had not beaten anybody in the Sun Belt other than ULM. I mean, and, you know, they've been outscored by FBS opponents 110-3 to going in. And, man, it hurts just to, like, think through those two – Two things, but yeah, I mean, the, the game started the way you want it to be. Southern Miss got the opening kickoff. They went 84 yards in 12 plays and uh, got a touchdown and you're up seven to nothing. And Archie State answers. And then that's where really, uh, the turning point, uh, kind of how everything started. Billy Wiles threw an interception. Uh, Archie State starts at, at the Southern Miss eight yard line. Uh, they, they score. Southern Miss, the next possession, gets a punt blocked, gets another short field again at the Southern Miss 26. Argus State scores again. Then uh, you answer, but then you give up a big kick return and get another penalty, and so they started short field again. And so when you look at, you know, this defense gave up 44 points. What's wrong with Southern Miss defense? They gave up three points against Tulane. Three times in the first half, they were given extremely short fields, and that's – that just added up at the end of the game. So it's one of those deals where, I mean, it doesn't, ultimately it doesn't matter if you go, well, Southern Miss was the better team or Arkansas State was the better team because there's a scoreboard and we, we kind of defer to the scoreboard when it goes to all zeros and Arkansas State wins the game. So it doesn't really matter. But it is one of those games where you go, I mean, if they play 10 times, Southern Miss probably win seven or eight of them, eight or nine of them. I, I don't know. That feels a little disingenuous to say after the fact because there was an opportunity to there and you didn't get it done. That's part of the disappointment in this, isn't it? It is. Uh, I mean, you knew because of what other teams had done against them that you were going to be able to get yards and get points. And you go get 450 yards. You know, we've been talking about the rushing attack had not done anything. They got 234 yards on the ground. Frank Gore gets over 100 yards. Um and you lose, you know, you put up 37 points. So you, you feel like on a normal day without block punts and interceptions at bad times, they had a chance right before the half to go down and, and tie the game up or, or pull ahead. And they threw another interception, went in the half 2017. Argue State comes out, scores, uh, 17 straight or 14 straight. Southern Miss answers. But yeah, to your point, you, you feel like eight or nine times they play this game. They win with, without those mistakes. And that's what Will was so frustrated about Monday. Just lack of execution. Um, they have not got, um, a, a, a complete game with both sides working together and special teams hurt them this week. 
It's only a third of the way through the season, so there's a lot of football still to play. Eight games left in the regular season. But it does feel like you're very much at, at kind of a gut check, where do you go from here moment when you kind of look at what's left. I mean, it, it feels like there are a couple of opportunities in front of you. Southern Miss, a underdog at home against Texas State this week. I mean, Texas State's been pretty impressive so far this season. Got the game against Old Dominion coming up. But, man, we, we've talked about that second half of the season. It is it is no picnic and the opportunities to, to get wins get harder and harder to come by. They do. And like you said, you know, this one was a gimme, uh, everybody thought. And you thought the next two were as well. But, I mean, Texas State's 3-1. and one. T.J. Finley's thrown for over 1,000 yards. He's got eight in the air, three on the ground. Um, that high, you know, flying offense. If people don't know about G.J. Kenny. Um, pretty interesting, you know, about him. He kind of, he come, played for Malzahn at Tulsa and then was with Chad Morris at, at Arkansas and SMU. Their defensive coordinator, here's an actual Mississippi connection. Their defensive coordinator, I think his last name's Padkey. He was actually a GA on Manny Diaz's staff at Mississippi State in 2015. Huh. And then he followed Diaz to Miami. He was under Rick and, and, uh, and Diaz down there. I mean, defense is playing, aside, playing well right? too. As an aside, Manny Diaz, still good at coaching defense. I don't know if you followed Penn State this year or not, but good grief. They're good. Maybe not a great head coach, and real good defensive coordinator. So, so you've got, you know, the Malzahn influence on offense and they had the nation's number one offense last year at, at Incarnate Word. And then you've got that Diaz tree, you know, with defense. And so Texas State, they're three and one. They hit the portal like really hard. Of course, they got Finley, but they had like, Man, it was like over 20 guys that came in from Incarnate Word that know that know that system well. And I think that's why they translated so well in the first game against Baylor. But, yeah, to, back to your point, like, Old Dominion's 2-2. Two and two. Old Dominion lost to, you know, lost an ACC team by three points. And what we thought would be possibly three wins in a row, you're going to have to work to get two, two of the three. Yeah. Um, and now, I mean, if you're thinking about bowl eligibility – I mean, there are eight games left. You got to go five and three over the the next eight games, and I, if they go five and three over the next eight games to get to six and six, I mean, you better have a party because that was some good football that was played down the stretch. If that happens, yeah, the you know the only the only silver lining is you. Th- there's so much parity now in Group of Five, and I think Central Michigan showed that you know at, at South Alabama. South Alabama's got to go to Jack, to, uh, to JMU and Virginia this weekend. Yeah. Probably the, the hottest team other than James Madison is Georgia State. They're 4-0. They beat Coastal, you know, at home or uh, on the road last week. And so Troy's got to go to Georgia State. And so what frustrates you more than just the fact you lost a game that you're supposed to have won, you could look up and you could be a game on, uh, on Troy right now. And probably with what this weekend holds, you might be Two games up if you win this weekend on that, and and you can't get to it, and yeah. so that's what's that's what's frustrating to add to add insult to injury. All right, so health wise, what's the uh, what's the scenario going into this week with Texas State? So they lost uh, Sabatini. He was a cornerback. Lost him for the year. That that kickoff return that I mentioned earlier, he tore his ACL, yeah. and it was uh, he was a contained guy, and they were able to get. So what they've done is they've moved Franks. Um, Adam McGee, he was a wide receiver. They moved him to cornerback. Will Hell Hall announced today. Cole Cavallo may be back this weekend, um, which would be big. That's your starting tight end. Then, of course, like last week, they lost Brendan Tolls for the year. So 
that secondary's you know pretty thin with the with, with Sabatini and and Tolls both going down. But you feel like you may get Cavallo back, and uh, obviously everybody was concerned about Frank Gore you know last week, but he didn't show any any issues. Rushed for 130 yards. Yeah, best that he's looked this year, right? Like not even close. Yeah, and and I think they were just able to you know run where they wanted to run. But I tell you what. Drake Clark, man, he busted one Saturday, and you know, for the season right now, he's averaging seven point one a carry, yeah. um, and he is a great compliment back. They just got to get it going, and that's uh, just what you what you hope to see. I, I do think that they were able to to run the ball like they were because Arkansas State, you know, is obviously not good on defense. But when you put together an offense uh, day like that to get some momentum, you cannot at the same token as an offense, put your defense in bad situations like they did in the first half and just give them three short fields. It really is crazy to think where Arkansas State is right now. I mean, they had they had such a – they had like a – say a 15-year run, certainly a decade-long run where it was just year after year after year, win, 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 and then I think just thought, okay, hire Butch Jones, he'll be the next. It's self-sustaining, and it has not self-sustained over the last couple of years. Woo. Um, I mean, Freeze, Malzahn, Harson, and Blake Anderson, and, and I mean, a lot of that was Blake Anderson, and uh, you know, not to to bring up the the bad past, but that should have been the Southern Miss hire in 2012, and uh, that Anderson. could have changed the last decade. Blake Anderson, you know, you bring him back from North Carolina, he was Fedora's OC at Southern Miss, and that was that's the the ball that got dropped that kind of created the last decade. Man, you don't have to do that to yourself. You don't have to bring 2012 up. There's no reason to do that. There's no reason we, to do that. We have that. a rule. We have a rule on the Eagle Hour. Like we'll mention the year, but there is one who shall not be named, and so we just don't say that name. And if we do, we spell his name with twelve L's rather than two. Jeez. <laughs> He's a good man, though. I think. Yeah, but just wasn't a good football coach in South Mississippi. Fair enough. Uh, Luke Johnson on the Pearl or in the, excuse me, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Richard. Y'all have a good day. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, all guests appear on the uh, Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We are coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio. There is Brian Haydad. Uh, it better be a good story. We'll hear it when we come back. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. 
Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Good as always to be with you. You want to join us, you can on the Ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. We will uh, get to some of your messages coming up in just a moment. And uh, we got a lot of stuff to get to this afternoon, including something new. Something new for you coming up in uh, in a little while. Uh, hello, Brian. Hey, Dad. Glad you could join us. What's up? Hello, Richard Cross. I'm, I apologize for my tardiness. Eh, it's all good. Happens. Life. Whatever. Yeah. It does. Especially it when does. you're a parent, right? Yes, yes. So, sitting here about, about 2 o'clock, just, you know, going through my daily meditation that I do every day before I come on this show with you two, just try to get my 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 chi, my chi in the right place. And my wife calls me. She's like, are you doing anything? Which is never a good question, right? Because you're about to be doing something at that point mm-hmm. if you get the, are you doing anything? No, I'm, I'm not really doing anything. Okay, you need to go and pick up our youngest daughter, Emily, at high school, and take her to the eye doctor. She got a contact lens stuck in her eye. Like, now I don't wear contact lenses, and I don't know anything about them. That just sounds like it would be incredibly painful to me. But I'm like, so I, I got to take her up there, and they're going to remove it from her eye? They're going to do surgery? What are they going to do? She's like, I don't know, but we have an appointment for four, but they'll try to get you in faster than that. So I go up to the school, and I get my daughter, and I expect her to be like a disheveled mess, right? She's got yeah. something stuck under her eye. No, she just comes right out, walks out. I'm like, are you in pain? Yeah, it hurts. It's like, are you sure? Yeah, it's like, whatever. <laughs> get in the car. Let's go to the eye doctor. So we get there, and I, I, I tell them, you know, we're here, and they're like, we're going to try to get you back there as fast as we can. Okay. So we're sitting there. By the way, today at the eye doctor, I have never seen a couch with an out-of-order sign on it, but they had a couch with an out-of-order sign on it. They had removed the cushions and had put a sign on it that said out-of-order. They got an audible laugh out loud for me. I was like, I've never seen that before in my life. What do you, what, what do we, did, did you inquire? I, I'm going to make an assumption that somebody had a, a moment there that they probably shouldn't have had. Probably, probably somebody didn't make it to a restroom or something. You, you I don't think know. Maybe, there was, maybe you think there was an accident, not like a a, a spring or a a, a collapse. I, I, no, no, because yeah, they just or... they just took it's just they just took the cushions off the couch. I think somebody had an accident. Yeah, somebody soiled the couch. Anyway, think this was, are we, so we're just I sitting mean, there. Do we think this was a child or an adult or? I'm going to assume it was a child. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm okay. hopeful it was a child. So we're just sitting there, and I'm, you know, looking at the clock. I'm like, ah, I hate being late. I text our text our friend Will East. I, te- I texted you guys, and finally Emily says, "I can I go to the restroom." So she goes to the restroom. She comes back, and she looks at me. She goes, "We can go. It was just some dirt." What? Yeah, it's just I I, I wipe my eyes out, and I'm fine now. Where's the contact? I think it may have flown off earlier when I was trying to wipe my eyes at school. So we've been here for all this time for no reason? Yes. All right. At least we got out of there before it cost us any money. And so I went to the front desk. I was like, yeah, I think we're good. Uh, she just went and cleaned her eyes out. She thinks it was just dirt. Said her eyes don't hurt anymore, so we're leaving. Okay, if you need anything else, let us know. Mm. So here I am. 30 minutes late because my daughter got dirt in her eyes. All right, so I wore contacts for a brief period. 
Like I have. Okay. I, I think I'm supposed to wear glasses, but I see fine, so I don't. Just because it's kind of an annoyance. I will occasionally, like if I'm staring at a screen for a long time or, you know, I'm driving at night, sometimes I'll put glasses on. But but generally speaking, I'm good. But when I was in that era of kind of wearing glasses, I had contacts also. I never had this, but Jane wears contacts. And mm-hmm. the she has had that happen before where, for whatever reason, a contact, it's like you lose it in your eye. And apparently it's a really miserable thing. That's what I was thinking. I was really surprised at how little pain she seemed to be in. Because, I mean, I know my kids, they got a pain tolerance of, a, of nothing. Like, they, yeah. they can't handle any kind of inconvenience. So I was just surprised by that. I was like, well, man, I don't know how contacts work. I've never worn them. And I'm just thinking, like, how are they going to get this thing out? Are they going to pop her eyeball out, go up underneath it, get it, and then put it back in? What do you do? I don't know how that works. So I have a, a friend whose dad is um, an ophthalmologist. And we've had an incident or two along the way, either with me or one of the kids or Jane or something, where it's like we had to call in a favor, like well after hours. And, like, I've got something yeah, yeah, yeah. in my – because eye pain is mm-hmm. – it is a level yeah. of misery that I would not wish on. Now, maybe I just got sensitive eyes. I don't know. It's a. It is a level of discomfort that I would not wish on anyone. And so his dad actually wasn't around. He's like, I can, look, Richard. If there's something in your eye, I'll get it. I'm like, I'm just gonna trust you, because I'm like trying to hold it, and like my eyes twitching. And, oh, and, yeah, just and, looking and, at you do that makes yeah. My so eyes so so there there is something in my eye, and he like walks up. He's got a Q-tip. He cleans his hands. Pulls the eyelid down, kind of aggressively, just pops it out, and I'm like, oh. You, you just aren't super sensitive with it. You just have to, like, do what has to be done. Hey, guys. What's happening? What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV, 4 o'clock hour. Thanks for being with us alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort, home of the sports book at the Golden Moon. You can check them out and get in on the action at the Golden Moon Casino uh, and the sports book inside. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. That is the Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. You've got Ceasefire, you already know this. If you don't have Ceasefire, well, let me tell you, you're not going to get any service any better anywhere. Whether we are talking about your phone, get it right there, your Internet at home, gigabit fiber internet, straight into my office, just explodes. It doesn't actually explode. Yeah, I about to say, that's not a good thing. But it's so fast, it feels like it's exploding. Uh, I got you. And then, uh, and then business. Got it at, at Jane's business. 
Now, hey, Richard, of course you've got C Spire products. You talk about them all the time on the radio. Yeah, you're right, I do. You know what I used before C Spire was a partner on this show? C Spire. I, I just did because it's the best. Uh, in fact, I had a guy come up to me uh, Sunday morning at church. And uh, he, he said, hey, I heard you saying something about C Spire being pretty good when you travel. What, like, is that the – I was like, it is. And I told him the same story I told you guys the other day. The uh, the Internet inside Syracuse's JMA wireless dome, which I still think is a little ironic, um, was terrible, as Charles Barkley would say. And, and so I popped open the hotspot on my phone, connected it to my iPad – streamed the Ole Miss game while I was calling the Syracuse game and watched it without a hitch. Incredible. Technology's amazing. Anyway, uh, might not be able to do that with your provider, but you can with C Spire. So, I'm confused. Borky, where do we need to... Um, oh, uh, We've on. gotten 100 oh, oh. texts about... Yeah, I was going to say. we got to do Michael Trigg, right? Yeah, so it's been reported that Michael Trigg is no longer with the Ole Miss football team. Rumor started floating, I think, last night or early this morning that he had cleaned out his locker. And, you know, people are are wondering why. I think it's a multi-layered, simple answer. Um, Lived in the doghouse in perpetuity. was, Was constantly in the doghouse for varying reasons. When was, when he was given the opportunities to play, he didn't play well at times didn't know what he was supposed to do. And they have just finished their fourth game of the season. If you want to preserve a red shirt, he's only played in three of those four, but if you want to preserve a red shirt, you don't play after four games. So he was running third or fourth team at this point, remaining in the doghouse, creating issues, uber talented, never put it together, left the team. And... As far as I understand it, there is not really anybody there that fought to keep him. Maybe maybe nobody even noticed. I, I, I've been told that he missed practice yesterday and today. Um, and that, I, I mean, look, he, he has been, he's been an issue off the field. All right, so, so hold on, let's do this in order. Ridiculously talented but raw, which was kind of the book on him when he came in. Very talented, but raw. Problem on the field in that he doesn't slash can't slash won't block and can't line up properly and has had some drops in a couple of big moments that would have helped the team. And clearly a problem off the field where he's like back and forth. Okay, he's running with the first team. He's running with the second team. Now he's running with the scout team. Now he's skipping practice for a day. Well, now he's gotten it back to the second team. Well, they're going to discipline him. Oh, wait, everybody else is injured. He has to play. Shove him out there. Like, there was never any, there was never any normalcy to Michael Trigg on this football team. It was never just, wow ridiculously talented guy, needs a little bit of direction, needs a little bit of work, needs a little bit of guidance. Look how he's growing. Wow, that's an all-SEC player. There are people that were talking about him being an All-American when he stepped foot on campus. And he played in like six games over two years. The, the raw ability was there. It was just... Just could not ever put it together for... 
I mean, even physically, too. It, it wasn't just a mental thing. It, I mean, you saw in the Georgia Tech game, golden opportunity. Ball hits him in the hands, he drops it. I mean, so yeah. even even when he was able to get on the field, he couldn't put it together. It's it's one of those things that happens, man. Uh, for hey, Dad, State needs a tight end. Maybe I mean, maybe give it a shot. <laughs> you know, I mean, stranger things have happened, right? I feel like when two Power Five programs say nah, a third's probably going to well, also well, say nah. I want to say I want to address this text. Somebody said, just rip the kid publicly, huh? Well, I have two thoughts. One, I don't think I said anything derogatory in any of that. I was very straightforward and very honest with what has happened with Michael Trigg. And number two, Michael Trigg's been on the payroll for the last year and a half at Ole Miss. And if you are being paid significantly through NIL and you don't perform at all, I'm sorry. I think the world has changed. It's fair game to be critical. And I don't even think we were critical. I'm just honest. Uh, just like he's played in like six or seven games over the course of two years. His injury last year was unfortunate. He couldn't get out of Lane Kiffin's doghouse at practice. He never really earned playing time. When he got in games, he didn't perform. And he couldn't line up. Like, like if you don't already know that, then either you don't follow Ole Miss or you're just looking for a reason to be upset. Or, or you're, like the, you're like the person that only wants to read good news and only hear great things. Sorry. Yeah. Not very critical of the kid. I hope he figures it out because he... I, I, he is an NFL talent physically, but he has not gotten there emotionally from a responsibility standpoint. Like, there's a whole lot of work to do. And I hope the kid that, I, I hope the kid figures it out. Yeah. I, and I, I'm with you. I, we've talked about this before, but if this is, what comes when the players become professionals? I, I saw a video. Sam Pittman was talking about players, and he's got a couple of players um, in therapy right now. And that's awesome. And it was really thoughtful from Sam Pittman. But I saw a, a response to it that was like, yes, the, the players get paid, but don't forget they're still 19, 20, 21 years old. And, and it reminded me of Zion Williamson. I know he's on my favorite team, but Zion was 19 years old when – ESPN First Take, which is a really popular show for NBA people. I promise you it got back to him, and it's on in the facilities and stuff there. He's 19 years old, and these men that he's never met and doesn't know are calling him fat. He's fat. He's fat. He's a fatty. He's not working hard. He's fat. He's fat over and over and over again. He's a fatty boombalatty. But but guess what? He was a professional. that's, That's what comes with being a professional is increased scrutiny. So I, I'm with you. At, at Treating college athletes with kid gloves, yes, mental health is a real thing. I'm glad Sam Pittman said what he said. I'm glad that they have resources available. If they're struggling with this new level of scrutiny, I hope that they, they can learn how to navigate through it. But there have been professionals in everything else younger than Michael Trigg is. 
Yeah. You've got singers at 16 years old selling out stadiums, making millions. Yeah, but to go back to your Sam Sam Pittman thing, he was talking yesterday about getting off of Twitter, and he was like, look, he's like, the personal stuff just, he's like, it started bothering me. He's like, you can criticize my coaching. You can criticize play calling. He said, but newsflash, I'm fat. I have a big chest. I got tired of people telling me that on Twitter over and over and over, and so I canceled it. He's like, I guess I'm probably going to get back on. They're telling me I need to from a recruiting standpoint. He's like, I don't see the point of it. And we're having to talk to our kids about this as well. You've got somebody who is hiding behind, in most cases, some sort of a username or fake identity that is just trying to tear you down, and it has nothing to do with what you're doing on the field. It's like about how you look or how because they're mad about something that you did on the field. I get it. I, I get it from Sam Pittman's perspective, too. I don't blame you, man. I do wonder. I do wonder who's going to figure it out first, Michael Trigg or Eric Gilbert, two NFL tight ends who just can't get it My, together. Michael Trigg is far more likely to figure it out at this point than Eric Gilbert. I hope you're right. That That is, whew. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. David Cobb will join us from CBS Sports to start the 5 o'clock hour today. And um, we've got lines to look at. We've still got some more audio. Borky, what was the – it was the Hugh Freeze audio that yeah. we did not get to. We, we, we need to do this. Yeah, so this is Hugh Freeze uh, talking about – uh, fan expectations. You'll hear the question, and his answer is interesting for sure. Here, because they're playing Georgia this weekend. This is after an exchange about how he didn't realize that Kirby Smart won a national championship in year two. And when the reporter said that that was the case, he was like, "No, that's not true," because you thought it was year three or four. All right, all right. So, so seriously, like, like I don't want to gloss over that. So reporter is talking about how quickly Georgia got it rolling. He's like, well, you know, it's really hard to do. And and he's trying to make the point that it took Kirby a little while to get it rolling at Georgia. And if I remember correctly, Hugh Freeze was the coach at Ole Miss when the Rebels just boat raced Kirby in, year one. in his first year at mm-hmm. Georgia. You do Hugh remember Fre- correctly. Hugh Freeze failed to remember, though, that Georgia played in the national championship game the next year. And he and he was making the point, he was basically saying, ah, well, you know, I mean, it, it takes a little while. He's like, what was it, year 
I mean, it took a while. It was year three, year four, yeah. you know. And and the reporter goes, well, no, they, they played in the championship game in year two. And Hugh goes, year two? Really? Whew. Whew. Well, at first I he said, that, I don't think that's accurate. Well, no, no, he made those, he made those emotions first. And then he goes, I, I don't think that's accurate. Anyway, I mean, the point of the whole, he like moved on. It was like he dismissed it as like, well, we're not going to talk about that anymore. And then moved on. And then he and got then that asked set up more about fan expectations at Auburn. This is interesting. Uh, you'll hear the question first program obviously internally and externally sometimes there's not enough patience while you're trying to build your identity and some of yeah. these growing pains that you're kind of already seeing this season what's the reasonable amount of patience that a team should have to be able to build that identity and find success well i don't get to decide that the good thing is i don't worry about that anymore i, I used to but I'm, I'm you know i'm older now and I am totally comfortable in the way we are uh, building this program and, and mentoring young people and teaching them uh, the lessons that football teaches for life. And um, I, the wins will come. I believe that firmly. Um, but uh, the the whatever people's patience level is, is really I can't control that. So I can't worry about it. And... I really don't worry about it, and I worry about the people in this building, our administration, and and I worry about our fans too. But I can't control their their patience level, and I think it's I don't know. Can I be really candid? <laughs> I think it's I think it's I think it's kind of ridiculous uh, that uh, that those are already discussions in and around our kids. Uh, I, I, I do, but. Um, but it's not something that, that we worry about. But they should expect us to improve, and that's a reasonable expectation, and and play hard, and, and I think our kids have played hard. Why did he go there? Like, like, like the first, like all of that answer was fine. I don't know. I can't control what our fans think in terms of expectations. I'm comfortable in the way we're going about building our program. I'm working to please our administration and work with our kids. Why, why, why did he have to go, can I be candid, I think those expectations are really ridiculous. Because here's the thing. Unless you have been living in Tommy Tuberville's pine box for the last decade, you should have known what the expectations are, were, will be at Auburn. And you know what they are? Beat Georgia and beat Alabama on a fairly regular basis. Period. Period. That, I mean, and, and, and Gus did that time, pretty well, and it still wasn't enough. I don't have a huge issue with his answer, though. I, I think I think that was. We just talked about it a little bit yesterday about you know coaches being more candid. Yeah, I mean, I get what Freeze is saying. I think what he's trying to say is like it's ridiculous to have these expectations today. If you want to talk to me next year and the year after that about expectations, fine. But this team isn't going to beat Georgia and isn't going to beat Alabama unless I pull, unless I can get one of those miracles I'm always talking about. So why are we talking about this today? I get, I get what he's saying. You like that? But that's Auburn. That's the thing. It's, oh, it's definitely Auburn. 
But he's telling his fans, like, y'all got to chill. You know their reaction to this is not good. That th- this was not received well. And there is truth to what he's saying. Like, expecting if, if he it, wanted it to be received better, I'm sorry for interrupting you, then he needed to say, our fans have to try to be really careful to not throw my team under the bus because they are working hard. But we have to be better at every single position on the field than we are right now. We don't have this program is not there yet. SEC talent, and that is what we inherited, and we are playing our rear ends off. And if you want to judge us on this year, that's on you. Because I've told you from day one, I've told you from day one, we're not ready. You throw in a plug, you say. And you can help us by joining whatever their NIL collective is. You can help us get to that point today. But we're not there today. I can't believe. This is the first. What is the day? September 26, 2023. Brian Haydad and Hugh Freeze agree. You defended, I agree with Freeze. You defended yeah. Hugh Freeze. But it's, it's first time for everything. man. Uh, the, the, Easy to do that when he's not coaching Ole Miss, right, Haydad? I, if he had said the exact same thing at Ole Miss, though, I would I would agree with him. I'd be like, Ole Miss fans have got to chill. He'll, you know, it's, if he I'll had said in 2012, history for 500, Alex. In 2012, if, if yeah. Ole Miss fans have been like, oh, yeah. we should be competing for a championship, I would have said, and Freeze had said that exact same thing. I'd be like, yeah, he's right. Those Rebel fans are crazy. He he's replacing a guy that they fired after two years, a year and essentially huh? after a year. That, that place, after one season, those people tried to find... Th- that story just gets lost now. I mean, they, this place hired Hugh Freeze after they tried to manufacture an extramarital affair from Brian Harson because he didn't win enough games after one season. Do you know how dirty that is? I, that's what happened. And it's like Hugh Freeze is sitting there, and he's like, All right, guys, we're not going to be good. It's like, Hugh, do you know what those people are capable of, man? Do you know what they did to your predecessor? And, and when you're up here, and and he did the whole play out of love for each other and not hate for an opponent, Auburn fans didn't like that either. Buddy, you don't love Georgia. Nope, not at Auburn. You hate them, and you beat well, them. Well, he's not suggesting that they love Georgia. But... It's it's interesting that that they are they're already kind of not buying this, but that that is the overinflated that we talked about this during the Kiffin saga. Is it's a good job? Auburn's a really good job. They've got a big stadium and passionate fans and money, and they've got history of winning. But the overinflated sense of what their job is, considering the current landscape of the SEC and who their biggest rivals are and how successful they've been, borders on insanity. And he's out here telling those people, you guys are crazy. You want to know what you don't tell a crazy person? You're crazy. <laughs> You're crazy, man. You're crazy. I think he's, I think he was low-key setting them up for, guys, we're going to get smoked this weekend. Just, we're going to get beat badly. But in this era of college football, it should happen faster. I mean, he's got Peyton Thorne. How many quarterbacks hit the transfer portal? A ton. And he's got Peyton Thorne. And and a lot of them said no to him. I I, mean, look, Auburn's going to get better under Hugh Freeze. Of course. Absolutely. They just just are. Yes. Yes. They'll be better next year. 
but not this year. No. And and you got to accept that. Mm-hmm. You know who you're talking to? Eh, crazy people. Crazy people, man. But it's also worked for them. I mean, right? I mean, Auburn fans might hear you saying, well, you say we're crazy, but, you know, we played for a national title and won a national title and won a lot of games and great home field environment. Like, all of those things are also true. So maybe we're the dum-dums. I don't know. Or coming up with you, dum-dums. Sports Talk Mississippi, the Pearl River Resort Studio. We're back right after this. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Roll your eyes if you want. If if in a month long window you had the over under, um, under three for times that we would or under four for times that we would talk about Taylor Swift on this show, you, you just lost. Th- this whole thing from this past Sunday is, is it, it's kind of crazy actually. If you don't know what's going on, Taylor Swift. Travis Kelsey, kind of back and forth, going back to the summer. He uh, said on this, the, the podcast that he does with his brother that he was kind of bummed off, uh, bummed out. She kind of blew him off at concert. He had made, like, the, one of the bracelets that, that people make for the concerts. I I don't get it. It's okay. Not a Swifty. I, I like her. I respect her, whatever. But I, I don't know about, like, all the ins and outs and stuff. Ava Montgomery was telling me that, like, you have to dress up in a certain way, Depending on, I don't know. Doesn't matter. And you know what it sounds like? A cult. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you uh, look. You can't just throw somebody into cult status because they're having fun. And I think people overwhelmingly with this era's concert tour for Taylor Swift have had a lot of fun. Uh, I'm, I'm you find sure. somebody that's been to one of those concerts that tell you it's not one of the coolest things they've ever done. Then you found a bit of a unicorn. So anyway, they kind of communicate back and forth, and he's invited her to come to an NFL game, and you know they're playing it up for for social media. She comes to the game this past week. She's in a suite with his mom, Donna Kelsey. Um, story at ESPN says that uh, Patrick Mahomes didn't find out until the last minute. And he said some things with Travis, he says it, and you don't know if it's true or not. And then Mahomes admitted that he was under a little pressure to throw a touchdown pass to Kelly, to Kelsey. Mahomes said, I think he wanted to get in the end zone just as much as all the Swifties wanted him to. So a, a couple of things, though. Highest rank, uh, rated NFL game of the day. Um up 8% year-over-year in females 12 to 17. I mean, they break it down. The overall time slot was actually down year-over-year, year, whatever. That with the, with the exception the of the Swifties. 
Um, and then the NFL took a screenshot of Taylor Swift and Donna Kelsey in the skybox and made it the at NFL Twitter banner. Did you see this? No. Like it was the picture at the top of the NFL's Twitter page and under NFL where it has like a description, it said NFL parentheses, Taylor's version, close parentheses. They just decided to run with it. And oh, by the way, one last thing, Travis Kelsey's jersey sales spiked 400% on Sunday. <laughs> oh, don't worry. They're, they're, those, I, I guess girls and guys, mostly girls, those Swifties are ruthless, though. I mean, when when Taylor dared date somebody that they didn't approve of, the, the Internet detectives found, like, everything on this guy. You've got a viral... Uh, breakdown going on about Travis Kelsey's birthday and what his birthday in the Cosmo Zodiac garbage that these people do, how it fits with Taylor's birthday and how he's got a better chance at making it because he was born on a certain day in a certain year and the stars and the moon. Those people are, it's, it's absolutely, seriously insane. Truly hey, Dad, insane. Speaking of speaking of pop culture, did you guys see that Morgan Wallen rescheduled for? Uh, I did see that. Did, did, I did see spring? that. Did you see the day that he rescheduled for? Yes, I did see. What that. day is it? Four twenty. It's April twentieth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is the uh, that is the Saturday I, I, before double decker weekend. I would have paid, I don't know, five hundred bucks. For him to release a statement saying, Mississippi, I want to make it up to you. I'm coming back. I'll be in Starkville. <laughs> I would have, I would have paid $500 of my own money just to read the reaction to that. I told Dave Montgomery about it this morning and she's like, I mean, it'd be fun, but she's like, I just, I don't even know if I want to go. And I just kind of looked at her a second and I kind of cocked my head inside. I said, Oh, really? Really? You want to go ahead and declare now that you don't want to go? And then all your Speak friends now, get forever tickets hold your and peace. all that's yeah. all anybody's talking about. It. I don't want to go. I, he made me mad. She's like, he ruined my birthday. Okay. He's coming back to make good on it a year later. You, you think that... uh wonder if it'll be as big a deal next year. That's what I was going to ask. Is you, you think that because of what happened, people are going to be as, as gung-ho to, to go see him? I think everybody yeah. remembers that it was a really cool event. Mm. Like the people that went on Saturday night thought it was great, and the people that were there Sunday night were fired up. I mean, I, I was told after the fact that Sunday actually, in, surprising everyone, Sunday night actually ended up being, if you take the club seats out, a bigger crowd than they had on Saturday night because they closed off the club level in the south end zone for, for Sunday night. They didn't sell tickets up there. Um and it's only one night this time. It's not back-to-back night. So, yeah, I mean, I think they'll do 50000 again or 48000 or whatever the number is. It shows you how out of touch I am because in my head it's like Morgan Wallen. I mean, Blink-182 just released an album. They're going on a stadium tour across the world. Why can't they be who plays in Oxford? As if that makes any sense at all. I, I, I am under the impression that there is a plan to continue to do the big stadium concerts. 
But I think that they also and, – and look, it's kind of like the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation that took the lead on this. They also understand that it has to be massive. Right? I mean, there's no – I'm not using Blink-182 as an example. You're not bringing better than Ezra right, to Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. I just picked I'd a go, random – I'd, I'd go. go too. Sure, I would hey, go. Well, of course we would. Of course we would. We'd, we would be sitting, we'd be sitting there in the front row, and we'd be hammered, drunk, and it'd be great. Well, there's a feeling in the air. Yes, <laughs> yes. exactly. Just we like we would be going. We, I could see us like arms around each other, just swaying, like just like a Friday <laughs> afternoon. And then there's somebody going. Did yeah. you know they wrote that coming back from an LSU football game? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah the same story. There, oh, we do that. We do that. Where yes. have you gone, my? Ra- I mean, yes, all of that. You're not selling fifty thousand tickets to that. No, no. And, and, and no. so, who? I, I don't know. Who's the biggest? Give, give me the. 10 I, I truly biggest actually do think Blink One Eighty Two right now. Maybe not yeah. Wallen crowd, but you could get thirty plus. I bet. I don't think they want to do thirty. Uh, I think they need to do right. fifty. And I think they need to do back-to-back nights to make it. Well, like in terms of rock bands, I don't know that anybody. It's I mean, Metallica. Like the Foo Fighters probably. Metallica, maybe. I mean, it, maybe. isn't Metallica doing a world tour right now? Yeah, they've done stadiums. Yeah. All, yeah. You, you you bring Metallica in, you put fit. Now it's a much different crowd than than yeah. what you had last year. What you're gonna have on April? Again, 20th. you might have Brian Haydad at that show. I go to a Metallica concert in Vault Hemingway Stadium. Heck yeah. yeah. Oh, I bet Zach Bryan would also sell really well. Uh he's he's skyrocketing in popularity right now. Yeah. Maybe not to that level, but he's getting close. Um Zach Bryan? Luke Bryan. Not Luke. Zach, the guy that just got arrested in Oklahoma? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's from Oklahoma, right? Is that right? He was driving to a football game. I don't know which one, but uh, Trooper pulled over uh, one of his road crew, and he gets I out. Think, and, I wasn't thinking about Luke Bryan. I was thinking about Luke Combs. Oh, he, he'd be a good one, too. That's, I'm not Luke a big Combs country fan. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. He's good. Luke, Luke Combs would do well. I mean, if you... I mean, d- despite his recent forays with fans and telling them they're stupid, Garth Brooks obviously would do well. But he says he's not touring anymore. Um, what about Chris uh, Gaines? Would yeah, he? Chris Stapleton? No, oh. Gaines. Oh. Would, would he still tour? Or, no. or, or are they both retired? Chris Stapleton would do really well. I mean, I guess you could bring the King back, and, and he would do quite well if you, if you rolled George straight up. I think Taylor Swift, plenty, probably, Taylor Swift could probably. Taylor Swift could. Yeah, you up. think? She, probably. Yeah. She she would sell out yeah. the entire stage. They would have to do a stage with no back, put it in the middle, and she would sell out every seat and every inch of grass on the field would have a person standing on it. Yeah, but that's not how her stage is constructed. And, no, no. And then we're you know because we're not the right audience to talk about it, but there are a number of hip hop acts that could could fill up that stadium too as well. Oh, Beyonce. We just don't. We just don't know who they are. Be awesome. Beyonce could easily, easily. Yeah, we haven't talked about Usher doing the halftime show. I I, I know like the two thousands he was okay, but you know they can't do better. Uh, let's see here. 
The King, Elvis, yeah, it would sell out quickly. Snoop Dogg would sell out. Uh, no, no, he wouldn't get 50000 no. no. I mean, didn't Snoop Dogg like play Alan Miles? He's smaller venues now. Yeah. Widespread, eh, I don't know. Kenny Chesney probably so. Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We'll lead things off in the 5 o'clock hour with David Cobb. That will be the college football fix. The college football fix is driven every day by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford tough. At 520, we have something new coming from you. It will be participatory. Is that actually a word? Participatory. It is. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, the three of us will participate, and we would like you to participate as well. And uh, to to do that, you may need to, um, if you're in a safe place to do it, pull out your phone and familiarize yourself with some of the lines <clears throat> on college football. It is Tuesday. We're going to look at the lines. We're going to add a wrinkle to it coming up in the uh, five o'clock hour at five twenty this afternoon as well. Um, I think we need to. We need to hear from Lane Kiffin. We need to hear from Zach Arnett as well. Let's start here with uh, with Zach Arnett. You remember one of the things that that um, Mike Leach talked about with Alabama is feeling like teams feeling like they were beat before they ever even took the field because of the color of the jersey. Because of the jersey, you know, they're Alabama. That jersey had them intimidated before they even stepped on the field. Zach Arnett was asked about the intimidation factor of playing Alabama as well. Last year, one of the messages from Mike Leach after that game was the fact that a lot of times the team might be looking at the at the jersey. How do you battle against that and try to get this team over the hump? I didn't, I'm, I'm not on record saying that at all. So, I said Mike Leach last year said that that was one of the messages he had after the game last year. And that's not going to be my message to the team, so... We got to go out. We got to focus on us, and we got to play. Right? We got to execute. That's what football comes down to. You got to show up excited to play, with energy, and you got to do your job. Doesn't matter who it's against. We got to do our job better. I don't think Zach Arnett particularly liked that question from your friend Robbie. First off, that question was asked by a troublemaker and a person who's not as good looking as I am. And secondly, yeah, he did not like that question. Engaging in shenanigans. A hooligan. And yes, you get it. Uh, he did not like that question. His his demeanor at the podium was very sharp in, in, in that, that was response icy. to that question. His response and yeah. his look was icy. Not happy. Not happy. And I thought it was interesting because, you know, Mike Leach did say that last year. We were all sitting right there when he did. And, you know, if, if, if you disagree with that, that's fine, but... If nothing else, for me, I take from it that if, if Arnett's really going to you know, try to win the mental battle here, that's good for him because State has definitely lost it 
going back to Dan Mullen, I mean, Alabama walks in the field and the game is over. Only once in that in that time frame did I feel like State didn't play scared against Alabama, and that was the game in 2017. Even the game in 2020 in 2014, that was a close game. It finished close, but remember, State was down 19 to three. They came out really timid in that game and let Alabama jump out to a big lead, and, and then they couldn't make it up. Is Zach Arnett on the edge of growing weary of hearing about Mike Leach? I, I don't think so. I think that that, that question. I don't think that was a symptom of, of, of a greater issue. No, I don't. I don't think that's the case. Because he hasn't been asked a whole ton about Mike Leach. I don't think since the season started. Yeah, I mean, certainly it's fine for him to bring it up, but right. I just wonder in terms of you know Mike Leach's name continuing, continuing to. Can, I, I don't. I don't think that's like, an issue. Look, he was a friend. He was a mentor. He was the last head coach. He's not with us anymore. We all have to move forward. Like continue. Yeah. I, I just wonder if certainly not putting words in his mouth. He's not on record as saying that. Right. It is a fair just question. To be clear. It, it is. Uh, and I wonder. Well, I don't know if you could ask anybody and get an honest answer about this, but I, you know, or you have to know, that Zach Arnett is watching film and sees, okay, that team is more talented than mine. Even though they're down, they're more talented than mine. But they're not the one I faced last year or in 2021. Mm-hmm. That they're not the same. And, and and then how do you relay that to your team as well? What an interesting balance, right? Because they they're still it's the best roster, right? It's Alabama, it's championships, it's all that, and they're coming off of a confidence building win and. But but how do you kind of let your team know, hey, this isn't insurmountable. It's not watching film two years ago and there's no shot. We're going on the field and winning that game. It's different. How do you navigate that without admitting what it was in years past? I don't know. Right? You're straightforward about it. You say, look. This is Alabama. You faced them before if you've been here. They've been really, really good. You can get this version of Alabama. You have to play really, really well. You can, they're gettable. Oh, they're not, and his players aren't stupid. They know what Alabama has been. David Cobb joins us next. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us as we roll into the 5 o'clock hour in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Let's uh, let's visit with our friend David Cobb. It's been a little while. David joins us from CBSSports.com on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Mr. Cobb, it's been a while. What's up, bud? Hey guys, uh, not not much, you know, just enjoying what's been a, a good, uh, entertaining 
football season uh, so far. So, yeah, all, all is well over here. And, and David, I feel like a, a football season where we've got lots of questions still to be answered over the course of the next month. Um, outside of Clemson, I don't know that anybody that's in kind of the usual suspects category has eliminated themselves from consideration for the playoff. Uh, you do have some teams that are kind of hanging on a razor's edge, and the SEC is maybe down a little bit, but also wildly unpredictable outside of Georgia. Yeah, it absolutely is. And even Georgia, to me, has not displayed the type of dominance that inspires confidence that, oh, hey, they're a, a lock for a three-peat. To me, they've been a little bit slow out of the gate. The offensive shakeup, both at coordinator and quarterback, seems to have uh, caused that offense to miss a beat. Whereas, you know, they've got what should be their best receiving core yet under Kirby Smart. They have the best tight end and probably the best pass catcher in college football right now in Brock Bowers. Uh, But that offense seems to be sputtering a little bit to this point. Ultimately not going to matter because the schedule is so easy. But if Georgia played in the SEC West, I would be, I would be projecting them to take a, a loss or two along the way. I mean, the West is just filled with landmines per usual, and there's not a dominant team in the West this year. Most people assumed it would be LSU or assumed it would be Alabama. Both those teams have already taken losses, and uh, it's all up for grabs. So kind of a lackluster season for the SEC, but it makes things interesting because it feels like anybody can beat anybody else on a given Saturday. All right, so do you believe LSU, Alabama, or Texas A&M, the only three teams that play in the West who do not have a conference loss, Arkansas lost to LSU, Auburn lost to A&M, Ole Miss lost to Bama, and State's lost twice to, to LSU and South Carolina. So does LSU, Alabama, or Texas A&M go undefeated in league play? No way. I don't see it. It seems highly unlikely to me. LSU would be the, the team that I think has the best chance to do it. But we mm-hmm. saw their their flaws on full display in a home game. Lucky to beat Arkansas on Saturday. That pass defense is not up to snuff. Uh, I think there's some teams in the in the league that can – uh, continue to expose that the same way that KJ Jefferson did with with a receiving core at Arkansas that I don't really think is in the top half of the league and, and they were still able to uh, put up a ton of yards and, and points on those guys so I, I think everybody in the in the West comes out with at least one loss including obviously the champion and you know I, maybe we we discounted Alabama a little too quickly that they they kind of showed us that they still care uh, that they can still. Uh, they can still take care of business when they want to uh, this past Saturday. and uh, But even with that, I, I still think the, the Crimson Tide take a conference loss at, at some point. There's, there's just uh, too many good teams in the SEC West to expect anybody to come out of it unscathed. Um, Hugh Freeze reminding fans at Auburn this week about uh, their expectations being a little out of whack, and, and they are. You know, but but newsflash, you if you didn't know that going in, then you didn't really do your research. <laughs> can can Auburn like even punch with Georgia for a little while on Saturday in the Deep South's oldest rivalry? I think Auburn's defense is good enough to frustrate Georgia. Auburn's going to really struggle to score points in this game, but their defense is is 
stingy enough to make life difficult for reasons I already mentioned about some of Georgia's offensive struggles. I mean, we could we could look up at halftime, and it could possibly be a a ten to three ball game with Georgia ahead. I do think Georgia pulls away and wins somewhat comfortably because I just don't think that Auburn has the playmakers offensively, has the offensive line, and it doesn't have the quarterback either. This is the thing that sticks out to me about this SEC is how how the league as a whole just whiffed on quarterbacks in the transfer portal. And that's mm-hmm. so glaring at Auburn where they bring in Peyton Thorne uh, to compete with Robbie Ashford. I mean, a quarterback guru like Hugh Freeze, that's the best he could do in the portal. Meanwhile, Notre Dame is – uh, landing a player like Sam Hartman and Oregon State lands DJU and uh, other programs around the country did fine with quarterbacks in the portal, but it seems like nobody in the SEC really got uh, a an A-plus caliber player at that position, and that to me is the biggest hindrance to what uh, Auburn is trying to accomplish this year because Hugh Freeze's uh, best successes have come with really good quarterbacks, and he most certainly does not have one. Yeah, and, and the only one that I might push back on, but I need to see a little bit more, is Devin Leary at Kentucky. You know, if he stays healthy and they continue to win, then we might look up at the end and be like, okay, yeah, they, they did a pretty good job there. But outside of that, I mean, you're talking about, what, Graham Mertz at Florida? You're talking about Peyton Thorne at Auburn? I mean, last year, the the SEC teams were far more successful in getting Porter Coral, uh, Portal quarterbacks than than what we've seen this year yeah and alabama in particular sticks out as well they end up obviously going with uh ty buckner out of the portal because of the pre-existing relationship there between him and tommy reese from notre dame but think about where alabama would be right now if they had poached a drake may like they were rumored to have been trying to do or if they had gotten sam hartman Right, exactly. We're talking about an Alabama team that I think is number one in the country right now if Sam Hartman is the quarterback. And the fact that Alabama couldn't strike in the portal and that, and that Auburn struggled at quarter in Florida. I mean, Grant Mertz, to his credit, has been better than expected to this point. But, but the quarterback play in the league on the whole has been lackluster. And I'm with you on Leary, but the jury is still out there. Their, their offense hasn't been all that explosive to this point. Uh, Kentucky's a, a bit of a mystery at this point because of how weak their schedule is. They're kind of like Ole Miss from last year. They just didn't, they don't play anybody in the first half of the season. They open SEC play with, with Vanderbilt this week. So it's, it's hard to get a real read, you know, yeah. until push comes to shove later in the season. Uh, with Kentucky, which, you know, whenever, whenever Georgia and Tennessee come up, that's when we'll learn, uh, who, who Kentucky really is. All right, David, we've got, uh, we got like two and a half minutes left. I want to try and hit on State and, and Ole Miss both. So Mississippi State gets really popped in their league opener against LSU two weeks ago. They show a ton of life offensively this past week. Big night, uh, against South Carolina, but the defense didn't stop anybody. They got Alabama rolling in this weekend. Is Mississippi State dead to you or do you think they still got a chance? No, because I think they demonstrated how potent they can be when they open up that offense a little bit. And I know the whole Barbe experiment is off to a bad start, but maybe there were some positive steps to take away from that South Carolina loss. And I don't know if it was, hey, we're playing from behind, we got a throw, or just a, a resignation that, hey, uh, slinging the ball around a little bit is, is, is our strength. It's what most of these players were recruited for. It's what our quarterback set SEC records doing. 
uh, let's get out here and, and, and at least be entertaining, if nothing else. And, you know, the results were, were pretty decent. I mean, Spencer Rattler made some plays in that game that I don't know he could, you know, I mean, you just got to tip your cap a little bit uh, to him for, uh, for, for South Carolina. And that was a hostile environment, too. So I'm not willing to, to necessarily throw in the towel on Mississippi State getting bowl eligible for, what, like the 92nd consecutive season here. I mean, that's, it's not going to be easy, but, you know, they, they still got uh, two non-conference games left. Um, that, that should be automatic dubs. And then if you, if you can pick off Auburn or win the Egg Bowl or beat Kentucky or something, like, you know, bowl eligibility is still very much on the table, and I think that's a good outcome for a first-year, first-time head coach in Zach Arnett. And, and then with Ole Miss, they, they lose to Alabama a year ago, and it sends them into a tailspin for the final couple of weeks of the uh, of the regular season. How do they avoid that this year, or, or, or do you think they do, with LSU coming in to Oxford this weekend and then Arkansas in town the next week? Well, to me, it starts with getting the running game going, and it's not Quinchon Judkins' fault, I don't think. It's got to be the offensive line's fault to a certain degree. And then, okay, let's say the running game doesn't get going. Well, getting all these playmakers back is going to help the passing game because I know – uh, Franklin and Priest Corn are just getting back into it, but I don't think they're at 100%. And then, you know, can Trey Harris get back in there? I'm not, I'm not totally sure what, what Lane has said about him this week. But the point is, there's no way this passing game has been operating at peak efficiency with all of these key playmakers out injured. And as they get a little more continuity and consistency in the passing game, it should help mask whatever flaws continue to exist in the run game. I think the defense is better. I think it's a, it's a good defensive unit yeah. under Pete Golding. And uh, they just got to get a little bit of a rhythm uh, offensively. And I, I trust Lane. Uh, I've seen it time and time again that he can get the best out of an offense, even if, if it's not an optimum unit. And I think he'll do that. David, always appreciate your time. Great catching up and look forward to talking to you again soon. All righty. I appreciate it. David Cobb from CBS Sports, cbssports.com, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. We're back with you right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi continues. Hey, what's the level of frustration if you're trying to send a group message and you're typing in numbers and it goes from like eight names that are blue to the entire message turns green? Not great. Not great. It's like you just want to look at me like, what are you doing? Just stop, won't you? Hey, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's Tuesday, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We're glad to be with you. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online at uh, dancingrabbitgolf.com. You can book your tee time or plan your trip today. Um, the Oaks, the Azaleas, 18-hole championship golf courses, and uh, they are there for you to play. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. So, we want to hear from you, and I'm going to explain right now, because it's time for the Fishy Line of the Week. The Fishy Line of the Week is brought to you by PTG Outdoors, one of Mississippi's best stores for outdoorsmen. If you want to be on the water, 
You need to be at PTG Outdoors. Brands they carry are Camus and Thor Boats and Mercury Marine Motors of all shapes and sizes. They are your Garmin-authorized warranty retailer, so you're guaranteed to find the big fish whenever you drop anchor. they got two locations. One is in Greenville in the Mississippi Delta, and then in Grenada as well, close to Grenada Lake. You can visit them online at ptgoutdoors.com. PTG Outdoors brings you the fishy line of the week. So we look at these numbers every week, and more times than not, we're, we're walking through and we're looking at the lines for SEC games and for national games, and you'll hear me say something like, smell that, guys? Oh, this one looks weird. What do they want you to do? So to our friends at PTG Outdoors, we are uh, we are really excited to uh, have you on board. Um, I'll just tell you the story. I mean, if, if you missed it last week, we were uh, we were talking about this, and Hey Dad just randomly threw out the name of a really large outdoors store that's kind of like a national brand, and uh, and Brandon sent us a text message, and what, what's that? They have a pyramid. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Brandon sent us a text message like, Hey, you don't need a national brand. Let's let's figure something out here, and uh, and he and Hey Dad put their heads together, and we. Came up with the fishy line of the week, and uh, it's really cool when you have a. Um, I'm just being honest here. I think it's cool that our show has grown to the point where a Mississippi-based business who has had success on their own says, "Hey, love to partner with you guys on something." So, yeah. to yeah. Uh, to our friends at PTG Outdoors, to uh, Brandon, who's uh, been a longtime listener, um, and has offered. For uh, for me to come fishing, I'm gonna take him up on that this uh, this spring. We're gonna bring Obi. We're gonna get on those slabs and see how that goes. Uh, so let's take a look at the lines. And when we uh, when we hit one that's got that smell, smells a little fishy. We'll uh, we'll stop and talk about it a little bit more. So I mentioned yesterday that I think the slate of games on Friday night is great this week. Thursday night not so much. Friday no, yeah, night yeah. really really good. Louisville at NC State. Louisville's a three-point favorite. Utah at Oregon State. Oregon State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. It, I don't know that that's fishy, but it's a little bit like, how? when is Utah going to get the respect they deserve? When Cam Rising plays? Yeah, that's, that's what's holding them up. They're four and zero without him. They they won a game fourteen Still. to nothing last week at home. Fourteen seven. Utah got a late touchdown. Oh, oh they okay. Yeah, it um, certainly felt like fourteen to nothing though. My fishy line might surprise you guys, or it may not. I, I don't know. I, I think that the odds makers are telling you something about what's going to happen in Oxford on Saturday night. I wondered if either of you were going to grab that one. I, I think that line is fishy. Two, That's mine. Two and a half. LSU, I have no idea why that line is what that is. Yeah, with the no elite level defensive linemen and, and and Harold Perkins that they have versus that old Mrs. offensive front, everything in your being says LSU should go to Oxford and do to Ole Miss what Alabama did, and yet the odds makers with those gigantic buildings with all the lights and all the money are saying no, not so fast, my friend. Shout out Lee Corso. Why is that line so low? They're telling you something. I don't get it. I don't get it. 
Like when on 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 Sunday afternoon before this came out, I was thinking this was probably going to be like at least a touchdown, and I wouldn't have been totally surprised if it was ten. And so when I saw two and a half, I was I was really really surprised. Did you and, immediately jump and, in your car? No, no. But I did immediately think, well, I've got my fishy line for the week. It, it, it's funny because I was I was going through all of them and I was looking. I was like. I mean, that's kind of the one that grabs me. By the way, the total in this game is 67 also. LSU secondary. So we got a high-scoring, close football game? All right. Uh, under the lights on Saturday night in yeah. the SEC? I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. I'll watch. I mean, maybe A week they, before they... the greatest college football game of the year every year? I can't wait. And, and and perhaps bumping the start time of Alabama Mississippi State back by fifteen minutes to half an hour. Oh, no, no, never mind. Did, did you realize? Big. Did you realize that we've got we've got back to back ESPN national like like big ESPN at five p.m. Yeah. and eight p.m. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yes, yeah. I will sit down on my couch at four forty-five. And I don't and plan that's on getting up from that couch until the next morning. I will oh, fall, I will fall oh, asleep. Fall asleep I, I just, like, it, it, when the state game ends, just kind of put my head back, turn the lamp off, see you in the morning. I mean, Mississippi State is the – yeah, I do have all of the games pulled. It's the third latest start time in the entire country. Washington, Arizona is one hour later at 9 p.m. Nevada, Fresno State is at 9.30. So Mississippi State will be the last game that most people watch on Saturday night. Starkville after dark. Stark Vegas after dark. Stark Vegas after dark. Um, Another fishy line, by the way. You you, you mentioned games on Friday. I got another one. Louisville... Only giving three points at NC State. That's that's a, that that doesn't pass the smell test. They're, NC State has not been good this year. They are they have not been. They should have. They did lose to Virginia, if not for Virginia's quarterback taking his helmet off like an idiot. They're calling for it, an upset. NC State's wins are twenty four fourteen over UConn. A 45-24 loss to Notre Dame. A 45-7 win over Virginia Military Institute. VMI, yeah. And a 24-21 win at Virginia last week in which their field goal kicker missed the game-winning field goal and then got a second chance to it because for an institution full of smart people, Virginia played really, really stupid at the end of that game. Um, that's a little bit of a. Is that like the Carter Finley effect? Yeah, there's, there's, there. Yeah, some of that. Yeah. NC State for some reason, especially on the obscure nights too, like not on a Saturday night, like Thursday night, going there to play is brutal for some reason. I keep looking at that Utah Oregon State game, and it's like Oregon State's been so good. And, and they lost a heartbreaker, 38-35, to Washington State on the road this past Saturday. And they're coming back home, 
And Jonathan Smith's going to have his team ready to go. And Utah rolling in. But every time you doubt Utah, you regret it. Every single time. And so you're telling me Utah getting points on the road is not the right play? I don't know. Because we've seen Utah go on the road and win this year. They beat Florida at home. They went to Baylor. They beat Weber State. They beat UCLA. And that says to me that defense travels. They're not great offensively right now without Cam Rising, but that certainly says to me that defense travels. So your unanimous fishy line of the week is LSU minus two and a half against Ole Miss. The fishy line of the week is brought to you by Peach, uh, PTG Outdoors. They've got locations in Greenville and Grenada online. You can find them at ptgoutdoors.com. The fishy line of the week brought to you by PTG Outdoors. Look at the um, bet at your own risk. Yeah. Okay, just something to talk about. Just, uh, just, just something to talk about. We will look at the rest of the lines involving SEC games and uh, or involving SEC teams and uh, check out some of the national games of interest as well when we come back because we always check out lines on Tuesday. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. We're back right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi, Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. So, what about the games? in the SEC this week. No non-conference BS. We, That's right. we, we get the real thing, yeah. finally. It is it is the real deal all the way around. Yes, um, sir. All right, so let's see what we got. We got uh, Florida at Kentucky. Kentucky is a two-and-a-half. Very half interesting game. Feels like it's important Very for both coaches, game. too. I, I, you, you know, there's, I don't know, it's not noise. That, that's not the right word, but there are people wondering about, you know, can Mark Stoops, it was was that 10-win season a flash in the pan? Can can he elevate Kentucky to the next level, or is he just going to kind of be where he is right now? Well, winning this game will, will really help start, Really help start kickstarting. Good sentence, Michael. It, it will really start that momentum forward for Kentucky having one of those seasons. Yeah. Speaking of seasons, don't you love it to, to season things with seasoning? 
I do. With season. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's one of my favorite things. Uh, good for him, though. He was asked about the, the early kickoff, which the, the East Coast teams in the SEC really need to shut up about early kickoff times. That extra hour matters. Okay, noon versus 11 is a totally different thing, but uh, he, he gave a pretty awesome quote. He was like, look, I'm pretty confident that our fans will wake up early enough to drink all the beer they want before they go to the stadium. It'll be fine. You, you actually softened that a little bit. He was like, I have great faith in yeah. the people of Kentucky to wake up and pound beers and be ready to go. And they will. Yeah. And it'll be nuts and this it'll game, be fun. You know, we talked a lot about this this offseason. We said, you know, Kentucky should be undefeated. They should be 4 0 when they play this game. And I really thought Florida was going to be 2 and 2 in a bad, bad spot. They got that win over Tennessee that I wasn't expecting. It's a very interesting game to me. I think Kentucky gets them, though. Up there in uh, in Lexington, little C A T S cats cats cats. Man, we we are. I think so. We are. Or whatever the noise is. That, Clip I know it. That was bad. That was, that was really bad. Oh, Clip it. Oh, but they I gotta got make that. a note real quick here. They've got the 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 five forty play. Um, man, you are right on the edge of being like. I really want a road game in Lexington this week uh, because it's next weekend that the uh, that the race is open at, oh, yeah. uh, at Keeneland. I mean, mid to late, like the third weekend in October is really want, when you want a road game at Kentucky. Like that's oh, yeah. perfect. Just perfect. But anyway, uh, neither here nor there. Texas A&M. Against Arkansas. Arkansas is the home team, but it's in Arlington, so it doesn't matter. It's just Jersey color. AM favored by six and a half in this game. This is always a shootout. So if you want to bet, I think the the over is probably the best one. The, the teams tend to score in this game. Yeah, Rocket Sanders um, will be back as well. If Sanders is back, you got something there with, with Arkansas. Yeah. Is this uh, so? Do or die is, is absolutely not the right phrase, but the belt's getting tight on Sam Pittman a little bit. And I mean, Borky, he had this this very impassioned plea about people being ugly to him on social media, and you just can't help yourself, right? Oh, jeez. Uh, sometimes expressions backfire, uh, but but no, the the, <laughs> the the belt is getting tight there, or or the the seat is. Uh, they just got in their car and the, and they put the third level of the the seat warmer on, and it's not to the point where you're starting to sweat, but like you feel it a little. You know that that's what his seat is right now. Is the seat warmers have been turned on, and he's feeling it. Very specific example. You're welcome. I know you got a visual. You can probably feel that right now. Yeah, the visual is not great. No, yeah. it's not. I had a great. The, the first picture that they sent out of him, I thought of the best possible tweet like a week later. I was so mad at myself that I didn't just fire it off. But if you just didn't send out his name is Robert Paulson right there, I don't know what I don't know what I was thinking missing that opportunity. But but this game matters a lot for for both of these guys too. I mean, look, game. Jimbo Fisher with the seventy seven million dollar buyout. It's no secret what his seat is, especially after the Miami loss, but. Things are going to get weird in Fayetteville if they lose this one. I mean, you lose this game, then you turn around and lose to Old Miss, and gosh, you lose four games. At, what, what is it? BYU, LSU, A and M, Old Miss. Uh, are you surviving that in year four? No, no. 
Jimbo said he will do whatever he has to do to win this game, including come back out on the field and make a tackle. He won't whiff this time. Oh, man. So th- this series, this is the 10th game in the 10-year contract with, with Jerry's World in, Ar- in Arlington. Now, they did play one, the, the 2020 game in College Station. It was actually kind of a miracle that um, Texas A&M was able to overcome their COVID issues and play that game. Uh, but they were. They were. They didn't have a – They didn't. Kellen Mond didn't randomly come down with COVID and then have 30 guys that couldn't play. And so they actually played this one uh, in their home stadium in the uh, the year of our Lord, 20 and 20. Uh, and won it, 42-31. So since it has gone back to Arlington starting in 2014, A&M in overtime, A&M in overtime, A&M in regulation, A&M in overtime, A&M in regulation – A&M in regulation, A&M in regulation in College Station. Finally, Arkansas wins in 2021, 20-10, and then it was back to A&M winning last year, 23-21. In the crazy nine game, games remember? in this current 10-window, ten 10-year ten series, Texas A&M has won eight of them. Yeah. And they haven't been good. That That's what's so funny about this. Is It's not like A&M in this stretch has has been worth anything at all. Now, in fairness, Chad Morris had those years mixed in there, so so that that hurts too, but what a weird series. Probably going to be a fun game, though. You know, Texas A&M came back to the SEC in 2012. I didn't realize or had forgotten that they renewed the, like, old Southwest rivalry between Arkansas and A&M in 2009. So they had played three straight years prior to A&M joining the SEC. And uh, Arkansas won all three of those games in 9, 10, and 11. All three of them in Arlington at Old Cowboys Stadium. And then they went on campus in 12 and 13 for the first two years that the uh, uh, that the Aggies were in the SEC, and then they've gone to this 10-year deal. So uh, that one could be fun. No doubt. His- history would tell you A&M's winning it. We'll see. Georgia 14.5-point favorite over Auburn on the Plains. It doesn't it the issue is this. Doesn't like, that feel like a number that how is Georgia covers? Yeah, like how is Auburn gonna score? They're not. Because like if all if all if, if if Georgia gets twenty one points, they'll they'll cover that easily. The, the, mm-hmm. We are really going. I mean, it was ugly last weekend. watching Auburn try to conduct offense. I made the joke on on Twitter that uh, the the bus that Philip Montgomery was gonna get thrown under after the game was gonna be uh, I mean a straight-out-of-London double-decker bus, man, filled with people. But they are painful to watch conduct offense against bad teams. Did you watch them late night in Berkeley, how ugly that was? It's gross, man. It's It's gross. It's disgusting, and now it's the best collection of defensive players that the sport has, I think. I mean... For for Auburn, you've either got to roll with Robbie Ashford and just go to like some sort of a like a straight run based option based offense. It's got a little bit of passing in it, or just yes. play Holton Garner and and see what you got with the the redshirt freshman. You you made it sound like it was one name there. Now I was thinking rookie of the year, Rosenbaga, uh, Holton Garner. I, I I never can remember how to say his last name, so I just decided to say it fast and move on. I can't no, remember Garner. Garner. But you're right, though. At that point, at this point, cut your losses. But you're right, yeah. If Peyton Thorne... Go the Kentucky route. Yeah. We talked about Lynn Bowden yesterday. Just run the ball. If you're good at it, you'll, you'll be all right. 
you, you've got a decent backfield. I mean, it could not possibly look worse than it did in College Station on Saturday. It really can't get any worse than that. Yeah. I don't know. It might can because George is a heck of a lot better than A&M was. That, that's true. true. Yeah. Missouri, a 13-and-a-half-point favorite against the Vanderbilt Commodores. That game is we in are, Nashville. We are one week away from 5-0 and Missouri hosting LSU. At 11 a.m. Hey, what is this out. world? At 11, yeah, at 11 a.m. What is this world we live in? I don't know. It feels like Vanderbilt's about to play a bunch of games on the road. <laughs> Back-to-back home games to uh, to start SEC play for them. I'm an idiot, so I, I don't hate them covering there. That's a big line. Yeah. Yeah, and Missouri's been winning games close. Uh, LSU two and a half over Ole Miss. We talked about that in our fishy line of the week. Tennessee is a 12-and-a-half-point favorite against South Carolina. What am I not seeing here? Even Wes Rucker thought this line was out of whack. Wow. At least he has a seat in the press box. Yeah, I mean, he was like, I thought Tennessee would be like a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, We'll talk about that when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Super Talk Mississippi. Check this out. Are you ready? Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. All right, so thoughts on that South Carolina Tennessee game? Tennessee favored by 12 and a half. So it's just a weird number, twelve and a half. It's just weird. And and South Carolina has again. I keep bringing up the Furman game because I even watched that one intimately. That they have a propensity of giving up big plays. It's kind of what they've done this season. And yeah. if Milton is healthy and like can be consistent, or not even consistent, just can capitalize on some of those opportunities, it feels kind of insurmountable. But man. I put it out there Saturday night and got some pushback. I mean, you can make an argument for Spencer Rattler being the SEC's best quarterback right now. You can make the argument. He has played with lesser talent around him. Georgia, he's uh, who's played... Ar- who's arguing with you? A lot of people. I was I was accused of being drunk. It was stupid for me to suggest that, yeah. I mean, it was Daniels and Jefferson or nobody. It's like, guys, you're not watching him play. You're not watching Spencer Rattler play. If you think that, the, that, the that there's not a compelling argument. he has put up with the pressure that he is under with his best wide receiver down and no running game to speak of compared to... I mean, Jaden Daniels has been really, really good. But he's one of, yeah. on one of the three most talented rosters in the league. And, and you can make an argument for him, too. It's, I don't buy Jefferson at all right now. He's good, don't get me wrong, but I don't, I don't think he's... missing his biggest weapon back there, too. So, But... If Spencer Rattler was at Alabama, they would be unquestionably number one in the nation. Yeah, not even a question of it being number one in the nation. There are two complete passes against Mississippi State. One of them was a drop yeah. right through the hands. I mean, yeah. he he is he's awesome right now. But that being said, I could totally see Tennessee blowing them out this weekend. I could do. Yeah. Four outcome game as we talked about earlier. 
Now three. Hey, speaking of blowouts, what's that last line of the weekend? Alabama 14 and a half over Mississippi State. That's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's an SEC team playing an SEC team, so you're not going to get what the real line should actually be, but it should probably be 21 and a half, maybe more. You think so? Mm Mm-hmm. You're pretty sure on some of these this week. I feel like you need to make a run to the uh, to the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You want me to sit up here and just be like, well, I don't know. If you're well, correct, what's the reaction? If Mississippi State loses, let's call it 24 points, that that Alabama covers your hypothetical line there, what's the reaction? Okay. So it's 38-14. So I mean, Okay, so if it's, is it 38-14 and Alabama scored a touchdown? In the, it was 31-14 going into the fourth quarter. It's okay. No, 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 no. It's no, okay. No, no, no. no, no. It's 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 thirty-eight nothing going into the fourth quarter. Oh, they score two late garbage touchdowns. Then yeah, people are gonna be like, okay, what the heck's going on? People are gonna be mad, and they're fine. That's I mean, they, <laughs> I just, they should be. I'm just messing with you anyway. It's like huh. Ty Simpson yeah, plays I, I, the just, entire fourth quarter and he throws. Now they get the freshman out there. Sixes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Hey, that's possible, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it just depends on the on the game itself. I mean, my my my, my early thought process is something like like forty forty one fourteen or something like that. But maybe maybe it's a game that Alabama gets like ten points in the fourth quarter. So you know, it doesn't it, it going into the fourth quarter. You're like, if they could get a drive going, maybe they could get back in this game, and then they don't. Yeah. Okay. Uh, was there anything nationally that kind of kind of popped for us? Uh, while we're looking at that, kind of a weaker that... national uh, slate than last week. Still good, but just not doesn't have the pop like this past Saturday did. There's no Notre Dame, Ohio State in there, yeah. No, there's not. Hey, Sports there's Talk Colorado, Mississippi USC. is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can find Jim Teal at men's clothing stores like Harry Meyer in Meridian, Landry's in Oxford, SF Aldman in Gulfport, Smith & Company in Greenwood, and Steve's on the Square in, uh, where is Steve's? In Philadelphia, sorry. Philadelphia is where Steve's on the Square is. And, of course, be sure to visit their website, uh, genteelapparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. So the uh, the national games of interest this weekend, it, it's, USC, it's different. Colorado. Yeah, people are going to hate the, the the Colorado thing is getting to a you point. You saw Oregon State on Friday night's good. That that'll be good Friday night. Yeah, um, Michigan Nebraska doesn't do much for you. I mean, it'll be a a pretty scene before kickoff. A couple yeah. of undefeateds in Arsenal the Big Twelve with Kansas and Texas. You guys buying Texas? I think at this point you can buy Texas. You Notre know, Dame, the Red Duke. River shootout. That's a good game. That could have met Duke's ranked. So I thought about fishy lining that one. Was it five and a half? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not fishy. That's name brand. Yeah. The fact that it's only five and a half might be the fishy part of it, but I'm that's not what so I'm sure. saying. Duke, I'm, they think Duke's got this man, or a fighter's chance anyway. 
Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, they're basically getting a touchdown at home. We've seen them play this year. They've been pretty darn good. Sports Talk Mississippi. We're back with you to wrap it up after this. Oh, wait. Good night. See you tomorrow. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.